Hey, welcome back to another episode of Between Sermons. So glad you could be with us today as we are jumping into a conversation about uh, one of my favorite things, missions. Uh, and uh, in order to have this conversation, and, and as always, you didn't have to have listened to our sermon on Sunday to get anything out of this podcast, uh, but it couldn't hurt. So there's a, there's a link in the show notes for the Sunday conversation uh, that we're going to be continuing today, turning that monologue from Sunday into some dialogue. And I get to talk to the guy that did the actual preaching on Sunday. Uh, but more importantly than that, I get to talk to my dad. How's it going, dad? <laughs> Doing good. Welcome back to Between Sermons. Thank you. Yeah, we were kind of talking a little bit beforehand that people probably don't know, but Between Sermons actually exists because of you. Yeah. It was it was actually a <laughs> blog that you did for how many years did you do the blog? Uh, like 20? Probably, probably 10 or 15 anyway. At least, right? Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, kind of morphed over COVID into a little bit of a video teaching uh, that was kind of like eh, not quite weekly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, we kind of hijacked that from you and turned it into a, a podcast. So your legacy lives on. It lives on. Lives on. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But uh, so we're, we're talking about missions, starting a, a, a series that we do every year at our church uh, to talk about missions because it is so important to us mm-hmm. as, a, as an organization, but really beyond that, just as, as Christians. Right. Um, and so the, the kind of the big question that I've got to ask, though, and this, this may be news to a lot of people, uh, but you uh, were born and raised in Jonesboro, Arkansas. Uh, you are the son of a truck driver that I, I don't think ever left the country. No, never left the country. I only had an eighth grade education. Eighth grade education, never left the country. Um, and yet, like if you talk to our staff, if, if you cut up open Pastor Jerry, he's going to bleed missions. How does that happen? How do you go from Jonesboro, Arkansas, to a guy that bleeds missions? Um, the the short answer to that is the denomination in which I was raised. Okay. Uh, I, and this is going to surprise CLCers because I so often, when I'm mentioning my background, it's really in a kind of a negative yeah, way. Yeah. You know, I'm not too proud about it. Uh, but there are some things about that denomination that I'm I'm very thankful that I had that background and and probably the biggest one of all of them would be uh, their missions uh, push and I don't know that it extended to all local churches a local church usually is a reflection of its senior pastor and yeah. so uh, I, I know that there were pastors that never talked about missions but uh, at least in my particular instance, just staying aware of what the denomination was doing for missions and then being exposed to uh, to men and women of God, uh, that, that really is my heritage. Yeah. And, uh, it, it's interesting that you say it that way because that's, that's kind of where I come from too. Like mm-hmm. for, uh, for me, it's, it's the fact that you would bring in people like K.L. Dixon and, uh, and um, oh, oh, man, uh, David— um, I'm blanking on names. This is this is uh, awful. Tell me something about him, and I can probably tell you the name. Um, David Shibley. Oh, got it. I right. found it. It it was in there. It was sure. back there somewhere. But sure. uh, Dr. David Shibley and bringing in like Tudor Bismarck, bringing in people from other countries, yeah. but then also bringing in missionaries and and people who had a heart for missions. Like I grew up hearing stories and hearing you talk about uh, your time in the Philippines and and just all of the things that God did. Because I think in, in some ways you, you'd rather be a missionary than a pastor. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> how, no doubt. So how, how did, what was, what was your first introduction to uh, like a mission trip? What, where, where'd you go first? Um, I, th- I think the very first trip was the one to South Korea. Okay. Uh, 
mom and I had been uh, married for uh, just over a year, I think. And uh, again, the denomination was taking a trip. Uh, the youth ministry of the denomination was taking a trip to mm -hmm. Seoul, South Korea, and they needed some uh, chaperones, basically, yeah. for that. And uh, so even though we were actually younger than some of the people that we were <laughs> chaperoning, uh, I think there were three couples that were chosen, and Chris okay. and I were was one of those couples. And um, the only reason that we were interested in Seoul, Korea, is because by that time we already had this uh, inkling that the Philippines could be the place that God, maybe that God was calling us, yeah. and uh, and yet we didn't know that the denomination would take a trip to the Philippines a year later, or we would have waited for it. Yeah. But when they announced this, and I thought, you know, it's, it's close Asia, enough. it's close, <laughs> you know, so uh, maybe we can figure out what God is doing with us by going to Seoul, South Korea, and uh, it it didn't happen. We went. You know, we enjoyed the trip, but we we never had any inkling that yeah, this is the place for us. But uh, a year or two later, we did. So yeah. that's that's what led to it. Yeah, and so you you end up in the Philippines, um, end up loving everything that you're doing. Yeah. Sadly, you can't stay. Right. Uh, Mom had some medical um, challenges there. Uh, came back. Did Did you think that you were going to go right back into missions at that point, or? Uh, yeah, because the denomination, the Foreign Missions Board was telling us that. Yeah. Um, the the people that we answered to were saying, hey, as soon as she gets out of the hospital and you're good to go physically, we're sending you right back again. So it was a shocker uh, when we met with the board and uh, didn't really even get questioned or anything. Just a couple of the board members said, uh, we, if we send you back now, as frail as she is, she, she weighed 90 pounds at that point, yeah. and they said, if we send you back, we're just asking for trouble. And so stay here in the States, pastor a little church somewhere, and, and then when she's fully regained her health, reapply. But uh, I, was, I was stubborn over the fact that, you know, I've already completed all of that. It was a long process to yeah. get an appointment and to raise the funds and yeah. all. And and I thought uh, if if I have to do all that again, that's that's just a killer, you know. Yeah. And so, uh, kind of gave up on the dream, so to speak. Yeah. I, well, I tried to persuade them to let us go back, yeah. you know, and uh, and the board wasn't buying it, and so uh, that was kind of the end of our dream. Man, uh, and it was painful, and I, we were depressed, and you know, it was I, not the future we had envisioned. Yeah, I, I can't even imagine, you know, <clears throat> when, when you feel, especially when it's it's a God dream, right? right. Like it's like the but. God, this is this is what you've put in me yeah. to do. This isn't, yeah. you know, I had a dream of, you know, becoming a professional football player. <laughs> you know, no, this is this is God-given dream right. that you feel like this is where you're supposed to be, and to have that, you know, the rug pulled out from under you. Um, I can't I can't imagine how painful that that next window of life was. Yeah, because we, you know, right or wrong, I'm just all I remember is our feelings when we were in the Philippines. We felt like we are helping to impact an entire nation yeah. because we were training uh, future ministers. You know, had a Bible college and yeah. all of that. And when we finally landed uh, in Dexter, Missouri, it's like uh, there's. <laughs> churches on every corner literally and uh there were there was even two churches of our denomination in dexter and so it's like we're no stoplights but two churches yeah, in your denomination we're, we're not needed at all you yeah. know we we went from feeling like we're impacting a nation to feeling like what are we even doing yeah. you know and so it was it was sad well, well a couple couple of cool cool things from that though is 
you know, 30 years from now, somebody's going to probably sit across the table from me saying, how does a kid born in Dexter, Missouri, <laughs> end up bleeding missions? And go. I'll be able to tell them it's because of my father and, uh, and the way you've led this church. And, and I, I love that, you know, you have no apology of the fact that you're a missionary uh, stuck in a, in a pastor's body. <laughs> uh, but it's, uh, it, it really is neat. And then the second thing that's, that's kind of cool is, uh, I don't know if you even know this, but this podcast is edited by our team in the Philippines. No, uh, so it's that. actually, so right now listening to this podcast to make sure everything's working right and doing all that is, uh, is a team in Davao. Wow. Uh, so kind of full circle moment that ministry for you is still taking place in the Philippines. Yeah. And uh, you actually just got to come back from a, from a trip not too long yeah. ago. Uh, we've got more planned for the future. Yep. We go there at least once a year and probably probably twice a year now that uh, yeah. I'm a little freer. <laughs> so. Love it. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's that's kind of the story of how this, this guy born in Jonesboro, Arkansas, yeah. falls in love with missions and just makes that a part of his church. And, and so I'm, I'm just grateful that for 33 years that's the, that's the foundation of this church is that, that we are – focused on missions and that's that's who we are that's what we're doing that's that's our dna yeah yeah so thank you pastor jerry for (laughs) for setting that up for us uh now there's a this quote that uh you used on sunday that i love from hudson taylor that that basically talks about uh you know the great commandment is uh not not a suggestion uh, an option the great Uh, commission the great commission is is not a not an option it's a commandment like it's this is something that we have to do what what are you, kind of your thoughts around, you know, somebody that, that may come to the church and say, man, look at the flags and they're talking about missions. They're doing all this mission stuff. Great for you. That's just not really for me. Yeah. Uh, I actually, that's not a uh, hypothetical. That's a, that's I've a actually, literal. <laughs> I've actually had that conversation. Yeah. And uh, one time I had that conversation with a person who was uh, actually an officer of the church. And uh, uh, he he was telling me, you know, that he was going to step down from his position, but he said, he said, you know, this, uh, the missions thing, he said, I, it just never did, never did grab my heart, you know, or whatever. Wow. And uh, I'm always, uh, tell you something about me, I'm always better uh, not on my feet, you know, I'm, I'm much better if I got time to think about you it. You think about a great comeback while you're taking a shower the yeah, next day? Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and uh, I wish so much that uh, I had come back with him to, to what Jesus said. Jesus said that where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, for, for anybody who says, I just don't get the missions thing, um, my, my strong suspicion is they've never given to missions. They've yeah. never invested in missions. And that's why it's not grabbing their heart. Yeah. Because uh, where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Yeah. So. I think there's there's an element of uh, of just pure obedience in it, like to, to read in Scripture five times. Jesus says go, uh, to to come away from that and say, meh, that was yeah. that was for somebody else. That yeah. that wasn't for me. Uh, you know, that's that's a that's an obedience issue. But I think on top of that too is there's just an experience issue. Right. That until you see it, until you and until you know you hold somebody in another country that's just weeping. So grateful that you're there. Mm-hmm. Do you realize, man, th- th- there's a reason why God's telling us to go? Yeah, I, uh, I I definitely agree with that, and I and it's one of the things that I guess I'm I'm so thankful for through the years is that uh, people have talked to me, pastors and others, and said the exact same thing that I had always believed, but I didn't know that others did, and and that is 
the number one best way to get missions into the heart of your people is to take them on a trip. Yeah. You know, and so that's why we that's why we go. Uh, you know, it's no mystery that we're we're not going overseas because the painting that we do or the training that we right. do is going to have that that great of an impact. Yeah. It's really for us. It's yeah. for our benefit to see what God is doing in those yep. nations. So. And the, the interesting thing that with that is we, we see that all the time where, you know, I'm, I'm leading a team uh, to Japan uh, mm-hmm. next month, and at least half of our team has been on probably five or six or more <laughs> trips with CLC because they, they went once and yeah. they got it. They bit, it's, got you bit. Know, yeah, we, we say they got bit with the missions bug. Yep. Uh, it's just, you know, once you experience it, once you see it for yourself, it's like, I get it now. Yeah. I get it. Like, you know, we can we can talk about poverty. But when you're you're ministering to somebody that lives in a dump, uh, and I don't mean figuratively like it's a <laughs> lousy place to live. I right. mean, literally, it is the garbage dump the garbage of the city, yep. and they live there because that's where they can find food and they can find scrap and they can make some money. Yep. And they're raising their family in a little yep. hut. You know, when you see that personally, it I can tell you about it. I can show you pictures of it. Mm-hmm. We can play a video of it. But until you're there and you're holding hands with somebody, you're praying for somebody, you're looking them face to face, eye to eye. You can't capture the smells. Well, that for sure, (laughs) right? But there's just, there's something, you know, you you said, uh, and I don't even remember who who gets credit for this, so we're just gonna make it a Jerry McQuayism. You can go, (laughs) you can send, or you can disobey. It wasn't original with me, but I yeah, sure like it. you take credit. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so so I think the that really is the question. Are you going to go? Are you going to send? Or are you going to disobey? Yeah. Uh, and and that's, that's the reality that I think a lot of Christians need to wrestle with. Mm-hmm. If I'm not going and I'm not sending, then I am, by default, disobeying. It's true. Uh, and so how, how do you motivate that person to say, you know, do something? Yeah, well, the the best way— again is to take them on a trip but mm-hmm. uh, but for most let's face it for most North American Christians they're not going to go as a missionary you know and don't feel called and and shouldn't go as a missionary but they can help send and that's that's why it all fits that what God has done in blessing the United States yeah. is you know we are we are being blessed so that we can be a blessing yeah. and that's so that's the best way uh that we can serve you know is is not just by going on a trip the purpose of going on the trip is to give them the heart yeah, yeah. so that they will continue to support missions yeah. or extend their support of missions yeah. i love it and and with that you know uh back to the whole getting the heart for it that's i'm grateful uh you sent me on my first mission trip when i was 12 years old uh, I got the bug. Uh, it became real. It wasn't just my parents' thing anymore. Uh, I'm taking my 13-year-old son on his first missions trip uh, next month, uh, and it just there's there's this beautiful moment that's happening as more and more people are are getting it. Yeah. Um, so what what do you say to somebody? Then this is probably another uh, not a metaphorical question, but a literal question you've been asked. Why do we send so much money and send people overseas? when we've got needs right here in Chicagoland? Uh, the needs that we have here don't compare to the needs there. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's the easiest answer. Um, we, uh, you know, we, we look at poverty here, and it, it doesn't even compare to, yeah. to what, uh, what's there. But, uh, but more than that, it's the, it, I think I said this in the message yesterday, it's, 
people here in America who are lost are lost in spite of the fact yeah. that there's all these opportunities for them to hear the gospel and get saved. Whereas in the, in the places that we work at CLC, especially, we, we focus almost exclusively on the 1040 window. Yeah. And because of that, the, the people that, that we're reaching, uh, if, if, if we don't send a missionary or if we don't go, they don't have an opportunity. Nine out of ten people in the 1040 window don't even know a Christian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, they've never. I was trying met to remember that stat. That's ninety yeah. percent. Ninety percent will never even have a conversation with a Christian because no. they don't know any. Exactly, and part of the criteria to be considered uh, an unreached people group is that you are not able, you don't have the resources to reach people yourself, yeah. and and only two percent or less of your population is not is Christian. So. Yeah. Uh, they'll never be reached unless somebody from North America or uh, or other places would would give, and and that is that's something I didn't know until more recent years. Is we're not the only ones giving to missions. Yeah. Some of the Asian nations now, like Singapore, yeah. are prospering like Americans, and they're taking that on as this is yep. their role now, and they're giving to yeah. to missions. So yeah, it, it's it's an interesting thought to 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 wonder. You know what what is the the Christian world going to look like in 50 years? Mm. You know, are, in 50 years, are we going to have more missionaries coming to the U.S. to try and evangelize us? It's already happening. Than, than we send out. <laughs> yep, yeah. it's already happening. No, that's it's pretty wild. But yeah, my my response because I get that question too. Sure. Um, and my response is is basically the two things you said. One is it's about access, and it's about poverty. Yeah. Um, when we talk about access, it's we are we are bringing something that is not accessible to a to a place that needs it. Right. So we're, we're bringing the gospel to, to people that, uh, they don't walk by five churches on their way to work. Mm-hmm. They don't have, you know, coworkers who are putting Facebook posts about scriptures and, and leaving a Bible on their desk. Like th- right. there's, there is no access right. to the gospel or very limited access to the gospel. Right. Uh, and then it's poverty. I mean, it's, Hey, my, my heart breaks for, for, for anybody that's hurting. Sure. And in poverty and, you know, driving down Harlem here in, in Tinley and uh, somebody that's homeless or somebody that's that's uh, asking for, for help. My, my heart goes out to them. Often I'll, I'll do more than just heart. Yeah. Uh, there's action that will follow. But even them, like that person on the street corner, their life, like the the blessings that they have, the access to food and clean water and shelter. I mean, the number of organizations we work with here in the states that are, are trying to meet the needs of the right. impoverished uh, what we're doing with the Hope Center and all of that, uh, but that that same level of poverty, it they would be considered wealthy yeah. in other countries. There, there's there's some countries out there where, uh, like, man, they they would love to have what that person has. Sure. And uh, and so just kind of keeping that in mind. And then the I guess the third thing that I, that I, I said there was two, but the third one is uh, you brought it up on Sunday. It's it's both and. Yeah. Right. Like it, it, we don't do this in neglect of. Exactly. Our, our local area. And nobody should. You know, right. you, you shouldn't ignore your own children in order to help somebody else's kids. Right. Uh, and so that's that's kind of our policy here. And so we, we, we get to talk a lot about local outreach and stuff. Next week, uh, Pastor Moy is going to be sharing about what, what's happening at the Hope Center. And uh, we'll be able to have a further conversation about local stuff. But, yeah, it's just the, it's a different it's a different perspective. Totally different. Yeah. So uh, I guess I. You brought up something a second ago. You, you mentioned the 1040 window. Mm-hmm. 
for somebody that didn't hear the sermon or may not have any clue what that is, what is the 1040 window? Why is it so important to us as Christians? Yeah, it's, uh, the, the term was coined by Louis Bush, who is a missiologist, I guess you would say. And uh, he had just put it together in seeing the stats that it, you know, were, were involved. Uh, it's a, it's a, a band or a window from 10 degrees uh, north to, to 40 degrees north uh, on the, uh, the, above the equator. And then it goes completely across from West Africa, Senegal, where we're working, would be the westernmost point. Mm -hmm. And it goes to uh, Eastern Asia. I don't know what's the... I think it actually ends Eastern. right around Japan. So okay. it's, it's kind of interesting because we've got a Japan trip uh, <laughs> next month. We're working with Senegal on this uh, multi-year project. Uh, yeah. And so, man, we're, we're kind of covering the 1040 <laughs> window right there. You know, you got yeah. from West to East. Yeah. And so it's it's the group that are the, the the people who live in that window, so to speak, yeah. uh, are are just they don't they're almost all unreached people groups. Mm -hmm. They're not hearing the gospel. They yeah. don't have an opportunity. Many of them don't have a Bible in their own language. And yeah. so, so that's where we focus. A number of years ago at CLC, we just made up our minds, and part of that was because I had noticed that a lot of missionaries were going to the easy places that yeah. that were already evangelized yeah. you know just it'd be like going here in america you know yeah. and uh, they weren't really reaching unreached people groups yeah. and so uh, i didn't use this verse yesterday probably should have but matthew 24 14 uh, jesus said that the gospel will be preached in all the world for witness to all nations and then the end yeah. will come and the all nations that he mentioned there is actually the ethnos mm -hmm. uh, in the Greek. It was referring to people groups, not yeah. not geographical, right. uh, geopolitical uh, nations, but uh, but uh, people groups that are not reached. And so, mm -hmm. once the church does its job and we've reached those unreached people groups, then Jesus is coming back. So, yeah. so I think our disobedience sometimes is hindering <laughs> us from going to heaven. Yeah. <laughs> you know, which so. man, that'll preach right there. Your disobedience <laughs> is causing delay. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think that man, that goes beyond just missions <laughs> talk. That that's pretty much everything in life. Yeah. But yeah. So that that ten forty window becomes pivotal. Right. right. So it, and it's not to say just kind of like the both and it's not to say that, you know, a church that's doing missions outside of there, uh, you know, that we've we've got some trips and some partners that we, we work do. with that are outside of that 1040 window because they're, they're doing good. It's needed. Um, but it's just it's one of those where it's like, you know, it's a drop in the ocean over here right. or you can make a real difference, a real impact right. uh, in that 1040 window. And so, yeah, I think that that just becomes super pivotal uh, to the, the the future of Christianity. Uh, is, is reaching the unreached and they just so happen to fall within that geographic right. location right. by and large it's interesting so um we've, we've talked a little bit about some of our partners and the the different groups that we work with but i, I would love just to give us a few because we've got dozens uh, of missions partners but give me a couple of highlights you know who, who are some of the groups that you love working with that are just making an impact uh and maybe maybe some ways that we can uh that somebody listening to this podcast can get involved yeah, I think uh, at the top of the list would have to be uh, One Hope. Yeah, love One Hope. <laughs> uh, and I was not even acquainted with them. Uh, obviously, coming out of that was that was one of the things that kept me in the denomination as long as I stayed because uh, I thought if I leave the denomination, uh, who are we going to support? You yeah. know, because 
I don't know anybody else. We didn't think anybody else was saved <laughs> except us. Uh, but I noticed over the years, I noticed uh, we, we have a, a friendship and a connection with the uh, group called ARC, uh, Association of Related right. Churches. And I noticed it at one of the ARC conferences that all of the guys that I knew and respected about ARC's leadership, uh, they were all involved with One Hope. I thought, what's this One Hope? I've never heard of them before. And so I went to a breakfast that they were doing at the, at the ARC conference, and I discovered, first of all, their vision, which it, it, it's all you need to know about yep. them in some ways. Their vision is... Uh, uh, God's word, God's every word, child. every child. Their their Keep vision it is God's to, word, every child. <laughs> their vision is to reach every child on planet yeah. Earth with the gospel. Yeah. You when, know? when I tell people about One Hope, I I always have to mention I love people that have audacious visions. Yeah. But nine times out of ten, when somebody tells me you know they've got this audacious vision, it's like God bless you. Yeah. You know, go for it. Uh, but like the the number of children One Hope has now reached is into the billions. With a B. <laughs> yes, yeah. with a B and an S. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's beyond one. It's, uh, like, that's just, wow. And they are led by one of the finest missiologists in the world yeah. uh, who has had influence here at CLC, mm-hmm. uh, Rob Hoskins. And uh, he was influenced by his father, yep. Bob Hops- yep. Hoskins, who's still active in his 80s, yeah. and he's still active yep. with the organization. But um, they're, they're just doing an incredible work. So yep. they're, they're at the top of the list. Uh, after that, um, boy, I would I would probably lean towards. Uh, I, I'm not even going to name the group because they're in a part of the world where people are being murdered and yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. martyred. But uh, but their focus is on reaching uh, uh, that area of the 1040 window, and uh, they are doing it. That's the, yeah. the incredible thing. They're reaching people in the 1040 window. And uh, up until just recently, they were the fastest growing church in the world. Yep. Uh, now they've been surpassed by another church, that, another group that that same organization yep. is working with. Yep. And, and we get to partner with them. Yep. Uh, it's been one of the greatest privileges Chris and I've had was being able to go to a country that is safe, but uh, there are refugees mm-hmm. and uh, and there are other people who've, who've immigrated to, to that country and we've been able to teach and, and preach and minister to them yeah. so it, it's it's a real excitement yeah uh, it, it, it's sad that we can't give more detail because i know that people are like man i want to know what that is yeah. and, but it's the reality of the world we live in and th- this is part of the thing that i think christian uh, um, american christians need to understand is like the freedoms that we have like there are places in the country where literally we, we have missions partners that Every time I get an update from them, mm-hmm. there's a disclaimer at the top of the email that says, right. please do not share this content. Please right. do not post this on social. Please do not use any of these pictures in a live stream. It, it like the, the very for every communication has this disclaimer because right. lives are on the line. It's very true. It's crazy. It is. Um, boy trying to narrow down hey, it's, you know, it's, it's a lot of groups made an impact well there's there's one i got to have uh dinner with here recently uh the the head of the organization um that we're starting to kind of get involved with um that is doing some amazing stuff uh, called living waters yeah and wow when you when you shared some of the water stats mind Sunday, the over half of the hospital beds in the world are occupied by somebody with a waterborne disease yeah 
Uh, that doesn't even compute. I mean, we, we, we saw a glimpse of, of that here in the States with the Flint, Michigan uh, mm-hmm. crisis and all of that. But even that, it was like, well, it's, you know, the, the government messed up there. Yeah. And, yeah. But there's still access to bottled water and we're trucking it in and we're doing <clears> what we can do to support. But we're talking about places where there is, there is no bottled water. Exactly. There is no. Yeah, I was in a village that had access to Coca-Cola, mm-hmm. but not water. Right. That's messed up. <laughs> <laughs> it's the wrong priority, right? that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And and uh again, it's kind of like the one hope vision. They are they are making a difference yeah. with it. And uh I'm I'm excited about that one. I'm excited that one of our trips next year is going to be with them. Yeah. And actually I I'd, I'd love to go on that trip to help uh, with the drilling yeah. of a well, you know. Yeah. And and I I asked I said, uh what about, you know, if it's young people or women or whatever they said they can all run the drill it's not it's not uh something they cannot do and we have people that will train you and you know you'll be a part of it so uh i think that's just going to be so cool to to say hey we provided a well there yeah we've already been doing it but it's just been a financial thing yeah yeah but this year it will be or next year it will be a a trip new new level of that partnership and that's it's pretty neat to be able to say i I didn't support a well. I didn't send money for a well. I I dug a well. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's like uh, we we've got a team that can say they built a bridge in Russia. Yeah. And we we literally literally built a bridge. Right. In Russia. Right. Uh, I think that's that's pretty neat. I'm with you. <laughs> cool. I, I love man. We've we've got so many partners that are doing uh, amazing things. Um, one one of the cool things about CLC is that that we we end up becoming a funnel. Uh, for that. And so when, when somebody gives uh, towards missions at CLC, uh, actually, when, when somebody gives at CLC in general, 10% of it goes towards missions right. immediately, no, no questions asked. And then anything that they mark dedicated, des- dedicated to missions, we don't, we don't use that to offset the 10%. Right. It's no, the 10% is guaranteed. Uh, and then this becomes the on top of. Yeah. Uh, and so we're able to, um, to support all of these organizations and so many more and, and doing work in parts of the, the world where uh, the gospel is um, outlawed. And right. yet, because we have people on the ground in the right places, we're, we're able to support them. You know, something we've never mentioned, and it wasn't a part of the message yesterday, is that we have focused on, uh, on using the nationals to get the work done. Yeah, uh, we have almost no Americans who are on our payroll for you know for giving uh, because f- first of all it costs so much more to have a, an, a North American missionary in a field. It t- costs so much more to support them, provide their housing, provide all that they're going to need, yep. and their effectiveness is not yep. as great as getting someone from that country who already know the language, yep. already have the culture. They don't have to be trained in any of that. Yep. And and they can live so much more cheaply than the Americans. We are spoiled. And yep. uh, it just it just makes sense. And so that's really, I don't know that we went about it as a strategy, but over the years, that's just what has happened. That, yeah. uh, we're, we're sponsoring people like A.B. Vargas, you yep. know, that you just, yep. you fall in love with the man, you know, and uh, and see what he's doing now in his father's footsteps yeah. uh, to reach, uh, you know, India and places like India and that, in that area of Asia, part of the 1040 window again. Yep. But, yeah. no, I love it. And it, it, it reminded me of, of something that we weren't planning on talking about, but um, 
there was a big movement here over the last few years. I think it's kind of died down a little bit, but the it kind of came about with the whole deconstructing Christianity and people leaving, and it was just this real attack against short-term missions trips. Yeah. And just this idea that, you know, that's just a, a, a vacation with a Bible, and it's just, you know, you're just there so you can take pictures with poor kids and make yourself feel good about what you have. Yeah. Uh, but when, when we take our teams, like that is so far away from the heart of what we're doing. Right. Um, and something that I, I, when I would read those articles or I would read people's stories about that, that, that they were missing was the encouragement that you're able to give mm-hmm. uh, to a, a pastor. I've got a, a pastor friend that, that serves in Mexico, uh, but he left Mexico City and he's up in the mountains in Huichihuayan in the middle of nowhere. Um, and it's, it's an extremely impoverished area. I mean, he, he had to sacrifice everything and he feels, uh, every time I talk to him, he, he just feels so lonely, Mm. uh, where he is. Uh, and that's right here in Mexico. Right. Um, but it's, it it can be isolating when you're the, the only pastor, the only Christian in area. And then all of a sudden God sends a a dozen people from, from Chicago, Mm -hmm. uh, to come and be an encouragement. Just the reminder there that God sees you. God yeah. knows you, God loves you, God yeah. cares for you. And yeah. this team is going to come in here just for a few days, just to remind you that, that when you pray to me, when you cry out for help, I send it. Yeah. Like th- to me, that, that just can't be beat. I love it. Um, and yeah. it's, it's the same thing we get to do with this team going to Japan next month. Right. You know, you, we're talking about, um, you know, Japan, we, we think of it as, you know, very modern, very wealthy, uh, but it is only 1% Christian. Right. I mean, it is, it is a group of people that need the gospel. Uh, it's also the sixth highest suicide uh, rate. It has the sixth highest suicide rate in the world. Uh, comes out of Japan, and so like talk about hopelessness mm-hmm. and a group of people that need hope. But even that church that we're working with, if the nation is only one percent Christian, I mean they're not they're not getting to go to work with a bunch of other Christians. There's right. not a lot of other churches, and so even just bringing in a team, I mean, just just being able to be of encouragement. And, yeah. and to remind them that they're not as alone as it feels. Exactly. Uh, I think that's that's fantastic. Exactly. All right. Um, we're gonna we're gonna transition a little bit, kind of close out this uh, this conversation, talking about what everybody loves to talk about. It's everybody's favorite thing to hear a preacher uh, mention, <laughs> and that is money. Yeah. Right. Because it it really it does take money uh, to to fund missions, to to fund the gospel, to to make a difference. Um, sadly. Um, we're not good at that. Uh, and I say that as a we, not a, not a CLC, but as a collective Christianity, because the stats show that for every $100,000 that Christians make, they send $1 to reach the unreached, mm-hmm. which the percentage of that, it's actually the same amount of money that we spend on Halloween costumes for our pets. Yeah. You I, didn't make that up. That's I read the that. Stat. That's the actual <laughs> stat. I read the stat and it, it, First, it made me laugh, mm-hmm. and then it made me mad yeah. uh, that we could s- focus on Halloween costumes for our pets at the same priority level as reaching unreached people with the gospel. Yeah. That just, it's, it, it breaks my heart. Uh, there's this, this quote that I love um, from, uh, I think it was uh, William Borden. He said, uh, if 10 men are carrying a log and you want to help, and there's nine men on the light end, and one guy on the heavy end, and you want to help, which end are you going to jump on? Yeah. Uh, and so for us, we want, to, we want to put our finances, we want to put our money uh, towards uh, that, that heavy end that nobody else is lifting. Absolutely. Uh, we, want, we want to do better than a dollar. 
Yeah. Uh, and so what, what does that look like for somebody that, that's listening? That's maybe like, man, I, I, I've got the heart for it. I've, I've, I've seen you go on trips or I want to go on a trip and I've got this heart for it, but man, money's tight and you know, I got a budget and I've got, I've got my own needs. How, how do I prioritize and how do I get into a place where, uh, giving towards missions becomes a part of my, my everyday. I think, uh, starting where you are is probably the the best advice that I could give. You know, uh, instead of saying, you know, I can't I can't give a hundred dollars a month. I don't have a hundred dollars a month left over when I've paid my bills. You know, well, what can you afford? Yeah. You know, and and whatever it is, start start where you are. Yeah. And watch what God does. That's yeah. that's the amazing thing. Yeah. The people that I've known through the years that that have started out with very small donations, God blesses them yeah. and they're, they're able to give more. And, and I, you know, now that they're, they're giving hundreds of dollars yeah. uh, because the Lord blessed them for what they were doing. I'm, I'm convinced of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think for my own life, you know, I'm in a place where I'm, I'm giving more towards missions now than I, than I ever have. Uh, but that's just because there's there's more to work with. Mm-hmm. You know, there there were some times in, in my life where I was getting food from the food pantry mm-hmm. uh, in order to 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 make it. Uh, but even in those moments, there was things that I could do. Uh, yeah. There was there was there was money that I could send uh, towards missions. Uh, and sometimes, and this is the thing that we kind of avoid. We don't like it as Americans. I'm going to talk about it more in a couple of weeks. But um, we just like to be comfortable. Yeah. And it sounds like sacrifice to say, well, I'm not going to get Starbucks this week and I'm going to send that 850 to to a missionary mm-hmm. instead. Uh, that seems like uh, it's going to cost you something. Yeah. And the reality is, yeah, it yeah. will. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's going to cost. You can go, you can send, or you can be disobedient. The the going and the sending, it's sacrifice. Yeah. It, it takes something from you. The, the only way you can get away with not having a sacrifice is if you're disobedient. Very true. Uh, and so I just I just want to encourage anybody listening that, man, do something, even if it is just the one dollar. Something is better than nothing. Start somewhere. And and I love you started off by talking about uh, that verse says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I love this. You did this teaching maybe ten years ago uh, now, maybe not even that long ago that you had always read it backwards, mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of us do uh, that that where your heart is there your treasure will be. Yeah. Uh, but that's not how it's written. No. It's where, where you send your money, your heart's going to follow. Right. I mean, we, we all know that's true. You know, sure. you spend a lot of money on a car, man, you, you love that car. And if something scratches that car, you're, you're upset, yep. right? Cause your money is in it. Uh, and so your heart has followed your money. And so I just challenge people sacrifice something, you know, we're, we're looking at right now, making another sacrifice in our lives. We have too many streaming options. Because I, we got a streaming thing for my son because he loves anime. We've got a stream, a different streaming thing for my other son because he wants to watch soccer, uh, but it's in Europe that he wants to watch soccer, <laughs> and so that they don't play those games on U.S. television unless you pay extra. Yeah. Uh, we've got uh, my wife loves telenovelas, so we got a subscription just for <laughs> telenovelas, uh, and then Kelsey wants all the cartoons, so we got a subscription just for her. And it, I'm I'm looking at all this, and it's like, well, guys, at some point somebody's got to sacrifice something, <laughs> and, and I think it's probably going to end up being me. Yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, it's just. Uh, but how many other Americans do the same thing? You know, we cut cable to save money. Uh, and now we have 18 different subscription services yeah. that yeah. equal double the money we paid for cable yeah. uh, just so we can watch the latest show. Uh, maybe it's time to give up a show uh, and, and send some money to, to make a difference. 
And call it a sacrifice. And call it a sacrifice, <laughs> yeah. That, that's sacrifice, right? Yeah. You know, I don't get to watch my shows. I don't yeah. get my, my Starbucks. Yeah. Uh, I'm sacrificing for the gospel. Yeah. When the money you're sending is going to minister to people who are literally laying down their lives yeah. for the gospel. I, I don't know that I need to give this... Uh, plug but i'm teaching a course on missions uh, this semester at, at uh, uh, life university and uh, one of the lessons is going to be on missionaries from the past yeah. missionary heroes yeah. man when you start seeing what people have done yeah. for the sake of the gospel you start feeling very small first time i read about missionaries that um when they would travel this is before air, air airlines uh they would travel by boat and they wouldn't pack a crate they would pack a coffin a coffin yeah uh, and so they would they would load up their coffin on that boat ready to just give their life for the gospel yeah that makes you feel really <laughs> really good about your <laughs> your decisions doesn't so it so true yeah so true. it's wild um uh, you you finished off with a quote um uh won't won't uh, butcher it now, but it, it ended with this uh, phrase of being an uncommon Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's, that's the heart of CLC, that, that we would be uncommon Christians. You know, yeah. actually our, our tagline for the church is that we would change the way you think about church, but, uh, you, you know, it very well could be, uh, it, we're, we're developing uncommon Christians that when, when the rest of Christianity is giving a dollar for every hundred thousand, we're doing something different. Yeah. Uh, we're not gonna we're not gonna look like everybody else looks. We're gonna we're gonna step up to the call that God has on us. So, any advice? Any any last kind of closing remarks as we wrap up this this podcast for for a, a common Christian that's ready to take that step to say, you know what, I'm gonna be uncommon. Wow, uh, I had not even heard that quote until prepping for for that uh-huh. message yesterday. But uh, it's it's just so true. You know, when you when you look at it, I have pastor friends that. You know, they they question why we focus so much on the, yeah. on the overseas missions or yep. whatever, and it's it's like you don't get it, you yeah. know. And uh, and I, I want to be one of those uncommon Christians that goes beyond, you know, doesn't uh, doesn't get on the light end, but yeah. uh, helps the guy that's got the heavy end to carry, yeah. you know. Cool, I love it. Well, that's the that's the legacy that you built for CLC, and that's the legacy that we're hoping to continue. Uh, as we move forward but wherever you are wherever you're listening to this podcast from would love for you to be an uncommon christian and and just take this call to missions uh seriously because uh, it really is it is a command uh, yeah. go into all the world uh, and if you haven't gone <laughs> you better be sending <laughs> and if you haven't gone and you haven't sent uh then you are probably in that disobedient category and i know that sounds harsh I know that you're going to you're going to hear that and you're going to say, "Oh, but Brent, you don't know my story." Or, "Oh, but Brent, you don't understand." Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Just wrestle with that for a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, thanks Pastor Jerry for for hanging out with us. Um, thanks for the podcast. invite. Yeah. So we're, we're going to continue this conversation uh, next week. We're going to shift our focus from the uh, international to the national. Uh, we're going to be talking about what we do right here locally, how we can uh, be a, uh, someone who gives a cup of cold water to someone in need right here in Chicagoland. It's going to be a great conversation. Hope to see you there.